Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Monday, May 27th, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution. And we're on page 20, and we are on the first paragraph that begins, You May Already Have Asked. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Lois, 12 Traditions, Sally A., and then Deborah, Judy, Fran, and Rebecca. And the share code for Friday, which was the 24th of May, is 4520, 4520. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Lois, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts, and um, have the privilege to read the 12 steps this morning. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends such people whenever possible, except when to do so would either them or others. Ten, came to believe, uh, continued to uh, take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. lost my place. Hang on a second. (laughs) Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result, as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Sally A. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Monica, and good morning, A Vision for You, the 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Number six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 20, the first paragraph that begins, you may already have asked yourself. And I will ask Deborah to begin reading, please. 
Good morning, vision for you. And um, you may have already have asked yourself why it is that all of us became so very ill from drinking. Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? And good morning again. This is Deborah, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. And I still remember my first meeting in 1982. And I knew I was home. And yes, what do I have to do? Um, I was definitely, I didn't at that time really begin to understand the connection between the mind and the body, but I heard enough that I knew I was home. I was definitely ill from my eating. There was this insatiable need to just keep on eating and not knowing why, knowing that something's not right here. And I did feel hopeless, and I'm glad I did because it was one of the key ingredients to get curious enough and willing enough to do whatever it took. Um, I saw recovery, and I wanted it. Um, I had to work through some denial because this is a... um, disease of mind and body, and my mind was telling me, you know, I'll just buy this big book, read it myself, and be done with this in six weeks. And here it is 30 years later, and by the grace of God, I enjoy practicing and sharing and living this program. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Deborah. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is Kim. Good morning, Kim. Go ahead. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, now this is critical. You know, are we an alcoholic? Are we a compulsive overeater? You know, because not everyone that's heavy is a compulsive overeater. In this society of fast food and television, people can be overweight and not have our problems. But we have to know, are we a compulsive overeater? You know, I didn't come into this program at my top size of 24. I came into this program not much heavier than I am now because I realized that I was losing weight and I was crazier than ever. Because when I came into Overeaters Anonymous and I would raise my hand and say, I am a compulsive overeater, what I was saying was, I am fat and I want to lose weight. And the fact was, food and weight was not my problem. If food was my problem, then when I got abstinent, everything would have been okay. If weight was my problem, then dozens of times when I lost the weight, I would have been okay. So I have to know, am I a compulsive overeater? And this book spends a lot of time explaining that. And we're going to hear again shortly the difference 
between the moderate eater, the heavy eater, and the real compulsive overeater. But more importantly, do I want to get over it? And that is a very difficult question because many of us want to sit in the rooms of OA and be grateful that we have other people who understand what we're going through. But we don't want to get over it. We just want to complain and feel a part of and, oh, you know, this is as tough as life is mean to me and my parents did this and my husband did that and my boss did that. And that's where we stop. So this is a critical, critical question. If you are a compulsive overeater who wants to get over it, because if you want to get over it, if you want to, if you want to have the freedom from the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, first of all, I have a little spoiler alert. You're never going to get over the allergy of the body. You will always have the allergy of the body. If you walk through these steps, if you get a relationship with a higher power instead of your binge foods, the obsession of the mind will be removed. And if the obsession of the mind is removed, you will not want to pick up your binge foods. And if you don't pick up your binge foods, you will not trigger the allergy. And that is the miracle of this program. The miracle of this program today isn't that I don't have to eat. The miracle of the program is that I don't want to eat. And why is that? We have to ask ourselves this question. If you are a compulsive overeater who wants to get over it, you already may be asking, what do I have to do? And then what the do is the action. What actions do I have to take if I sincerely want to get over compulsive overeating? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Good morning, Penny E. Penny E. And it was someone else? Marcella. Marcella. Okay. Penny E. And then Marcella. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Kind of on the same vein that Kim was talking about. Um, to get over it, what do I have to do? And that action, you know, what do I have to do? It has nothing to do with going to a, a uh, nutritionist to get a food plan. It has nothing to do with buying the right scale and the right cups. And it has nothing to do with writing down my food and calling it in every day and so on and so forth. What do I have to do? Am I willing to wake up every morning and have God be the center, the most foremost thought in my life? Am I willing to pray every morning before I do anything else? Am I willing to turn my will and my life over to the care of God? As Bill discusses this and and talks about many times, constantly, in all my affairs, constantly. You know, that's such an important uh, word, constantly. Every single day, 24-7, I have this disease every day, 24-7. If I want to be recovered every day, 24-7, I have to strive to doing this every single day, 24-7. Am I willing to, when someone makes me upset, when somebody makes me angry, um, am I willing to pull? to pause? Am I willing to take a look at my part? You know, am I willing to acknowledge the fact that anything that makes me uh, just uncomfortable today, 
it's my fault, not the other person's fault. I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm the one responsible. Am I willing to do this? Am I willing to 12-step people every day as long as, as if my life depended on it? Th- these are high, high, high. Um, uh, they're, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's not nearly as much as living in the disease. You know? So am I willing for today I am. Tell me what I have to do, and I'm willing to do it to the best of my ability. I always like to add that in the AA 12 and 12, six step, it says that the only step we can do, the first step, is put the food down perfectly. That's the only one. The other ones, we have to... Uh, we have to strive for it every single day, but we have to know that we're not going to do it perfectly. You know, We will see progress, but that's not an excuse not to do it. It's not an excuse to go on vacation and not do this. It's not an excuse to have a holiday, Memorial Day, and not do this. Every single day, as the same as I breathe in my breath today, I must work this program of action. Thanks for letting me share, and have a God-filled day, everybody. Thank you, Penny E. Marcella, go ahead. My name is Marcella, and I'm a compulsive overeater who's willing to do whatever it takes to be recovered. And this paragraph is about me and my life. I always wonder, how come if the specialist in eating disorders has explained me that I shouldn't eat the way that I eat, and I understand it with my mind, how come I always go back to eating a crazy way? I just it just just couldn't understand it, and um, but finally, finally, I don't know what has happened to me ever since May the 16th, which was the first time that I listened to this meeting. I feel like my whole life is upside down. Um, beginning with, for the first time, and I'm a very defiant person who loves controversy and loves to argue. For the first time, I'm completely mellow and reasonable, and I got a sponsor. And she gives me suggestions, and I'm willing to follow direction. Now, that to me is a complete miracle. And um, I just hope that we grow in numbers and power so that we can have a night meeting. Um, because I'm here because it's, my, it's a day off from, from my work, but um, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not alone. Um, thank you all, guys, for doing what you're doing at best. Thank you, Marcella. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Rose? Go ahead, Rose. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. My name is Rose, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, God, what um, what was just said here, and even before people started talking, I was looking at this paragraph saying, this is my paragraph. I mean, they they all are in this book. But this one, particularly at this stage of my um, recovery, is my paragraph. Um, And it's focused on, if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? And to, um, to add my own personal experience to what was already said, that was, that was, this sentence, was the turning point for me. I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I knew that in my guts. I never, for year after year after year, around the OA rooms, I didn't want to get over it sufficiently to give up the food. 
which was the God, which was the comfort, which was seeming to give me a solution, ease, comfort, and whatever else, seeming to do that. And the lie propagated year after year after year. And uh, as it's referred to, the gift of desperation or life, the pain of life, took place. And with this knowledge that I was a compulsive overeater, without the knowledge of an allergy to my body and without the other knowledge that is so vital that it was an obsession in my mind, without that knowledge, um, because of not ever being brought through the um, big book with a recovered compulsive overeater, without that knowledge I did not recover or believe that there was a recovery. And then, lo and behold, I met a recovered compulsive overeater, a woman who had been through this big book, had been um, abstinent for 17 years, not stark raving. She was saner than anyone I had ever met. And when I called up and it was it was the gifts of what I had heard for years. I didn't never believe it would ever enter into my life of getting honest with myself, having an open mind, and being willing to go to any length, including what was just talked about, that I would take suggestions. I would take uh, must. I would have the willingness given to me from a higher power to not only do all those things that were mentioned about writing my food, having, um, turning it over, all, all the various things needed to acquire the discipline around food since that was my poison, but to then take that immediately into um, turning my whole will and all of my life over to God without exception, that there's no area in my day, 24 hours at a time, where I don't, I'm not asking in some way through one of these steps, specifically the 10th step, which always has me um, searching and watching for um, the emotional upsets that would then put me back to wanting to go back to food. All I can say, it's it's what was, was said, too. Not only do I, um, am I not compulsively overeating, at, at the barbecue yesterday, at whatever occasion I'm at, I don't want to. And the joy and the happiness and the freedom that's being, um, really being put into my life as a result of doing, like Penny so really, described, this thing, the steps and the program are require my constant attention, my constant awareness. And, you know, as far as jobs go and what the returns are from this job of recovery um, and the joy of passing it on, I, I, don't have, I wouldn't have anything else to say. There's nothing else I'd want to do with that. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Rose. Well, this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in. Boston? 
Okay, Katie, go ahead, Katie. Hi, excuse me. Um, hi, good morning. This is Katie G, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston, Massachusetts. And um, to be honest, I mean, I thank God I always have wanted the truth. Like I've always, there's always been a part of me that has wanted to hear the truth. But if I really say, like, when I was a little girl and I was binging my brains out, what I wanted, what I thought the perfect cure was, is to let me be able to binge my brains out and be in a really thin body, you know, because I didn't understand that I had this disease in my mind that was, you know, making me crazy, you know, because I grew up in this, like, overachiever, high-functional household where people were like, you know, you just apply your smarts to it, Katie, and you'll be okay. And I did a lot of therapy, and I did a lot of, you know, diet programs, trying, like just believing, like, can I just get thin, you know? And even when I came in here, um, you know, in my adult life, I've been 228 pounds and 110 pounds, but I only came in here at about 185 pounds, you know, and I'm in a thin body today, but that doesn't, like, it doesn't even matter. Like, that is just the beginning. You know, the weight and the, as 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 they talk about, the weight and the, um, the craziness around the food, that is just a symptom, you know, and I bottomed out. And, you know, to be honest, I had to be in a lot of pain to be willing to go to any lengths. Like, when I came to this part in the reading with my sponsor, I had to be devastated. I had to really accept that I am a tried and true compulsive overeater, that there are other people out there who can function, who can go out. And you know what? I know them. You know, like they can be 185 pounds and not be binging their brains out so much that they're falling asleep and they're still partially food chewed in their mouth or in a thin body and they know how to have healthy relationships. That is not me. You know, my best relationship before I did this stuff was with a man who was still legally married. You know, I got fired from the same job, same title, four times. That is insanity. And that kind of mental insanity, I had to, I had to have that smashed home. And the only way that that got smashed home was, number one, I was staying abstinent and I was reading this, this work, this writing with another woman. And I had to surrender to the fact that I, you know, I'm cooked without a solution that is bigger than me today. And, you know, to be honest, like, I'm still somebody who I, I would love to say I absolutely 110% turn my will and my life over to the care of God every single day, no problem. But you know what I don't? I'm having a very human experience, and the chapter We Agnostics is called We Agnostics for a reason because I get, get agnostic in different areas of my life. But the difference is today I have a God who is a, a benevolent God, and he's in my life, and I'm connected with, with him because I do the latter stuff to clear out that passageway and to live a connected life, you know, as so many people have talked to. And I need to be willing to go to any length every single day. Like, if my conduct strays too far from God, you know what, guys? I'm going to use again, without a doubt, absolutely, you know. And if I use again, I'm not coming back. I don't know where I would be without this program, and I don't want to know. You know, and thank God, I'll just finish this up. I was talking with someone the other day, and she said, you know, she had just made the decision. She's done eating. God, how many decisions did I make? Like, how many times did I say, I'm never going to do this again in abstinence and before abstinence, you know? And I'm just so grateful to know what my problem is today and know what the solution is. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Well, this is Monica, and I am going to jump in here on this paragraph. The second sentence. 
Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Well, here we are in the chapter, there is a solution. And we've, up to this point, you know, we've read the doctor's opinion, we've heard about that we have a disease, and it's a twofold disease, a physical allergy part, and the uh, major part, the uh, obsession of the mind. We then read Bill's story, where he told us about the progression of this disease in his life, and how it did continuously progress down and down and down and down, until the guy was almost dead. And, um, and now they're saying they're saying, well, doubtless you're kind of curious here by this time to know how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary. You know what had doctors been saying to these people before? You know, Doctor um, Silkworth said, Doctor uh, Young said, you know, you are hopeless. Um, they both said, you know, you're hopeless. I don't know how to. I don't have anything. I don't know how to fix you. I can't fix you. But the, and here in the next thing says we. Okay, who's the we again? Those are the first 100 recovered alcoholics who helped write this book. We have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. And I just very quickly went back through the beginning of the book here, and I found recovered nine, approximately nine times, so don't quote me here, by page 21. Recovered. Recovered. And what does that mean? You know, recovered from... Step 12, we read, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we have recovered from a, hope, a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That's what these 100 recovered people are saying to us. And they're asking us questions here. So... If you're an alcoholic, you might be asking, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And they're hoping that we are going to say, yeah, what do I do? What do I need to do? Because they are going to tell us what we need to do. But these people have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind. What is that? It's a personality change. Sufficient to bring about recovery. They have had changes in their attitudes and their thinking and how does that happen? That happens as a result of working these 12 steps and getting a relationship with God. Because he can come in and help you change the thinking and the attitudes. And with that, I'm going to pass. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hi, this yes, is Melanie. Eileen from Massachusetts. I heard Melanie and then Anita. Ali. Ali. Okay, Melanie and then Ali. Hi, Monica. This is Melanie, recovered compulsive overeating eater, rather, in Washington State today. Um, I just have this this idea about my experience with um, when I had. Um, been to so many diets and my health started to fail. Talking about that, you're, you know, you might be curious as to why we had gotten so sick about this disease. And and it's probably not anything different than anybody else mentioned. But I just 
had this huge flash. I remember going to my doctor even after the countless diets over decades of time and and not having what my girlfriend had when she had a little bit of a weight problem and she went and she had you know went to a diet club and she got it taken care of and I couldn't and over and over and over and over again and I continued to say it was me there was something wrong with me that wasn't getting this plan that she was getting and so I would keep looking and the feedback that I got reinforced that and my thinking continued to stay in that place it's like having Stage four cancer, I'm going to the eye doctor, right, to get that same, that, that need and that solution, knowing that the eye doctor is the only one. Well, I went to my medical doctor. That's what I wanted to share. I even went to my medical doctor over years' time, and I saw him change in his reaction to me, in his demeanor to me, over and over again. A little bit of background music there going. Can we... Somebody else here that besides me? Can I be heard? Yes. Monica, are you still there? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. yes. Good deal. Okay. That's the background noise gone. Okay, great. Yes, great. Thank fine. you. Anyway, um, I over I saw him over the course of my time of seeing him for various reasons that were a result of my obesity. Um, watched his his. His interest in helping me change, I watched him say basically in his body language, I'm not surprised you're still obese, you're not going to get this, over to my medical doctor. Then where do you go? Where do you go and what do you do? Continually getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. Am I blaming these people? Absolutely not, but we all play a role in all of this sort of thing. There wasn't a solution that was available to me. Even in the medical field, for people that are obese, they, my experience, did not buy into this idea that there's a 12-step solution for somebody like me. I was put into that category with all other folks that were obese that was moving towards um, diabetes, congestive heart failure, um, edema, high blood pressure, that sort of thing that is associated with that particular kind of condition. And lost, absolutely lost, and I feel so passionate about the idea here that there is a solution followed precisely by using the 12 steps that we would continue to, to spread this news huge, and I'm not going to get on that soapbox at all, but it just has flashed before my eyes over a few decades of my time watching the demeanor of my special precious doctor lose faith and just just put me in a category of hopeless and helpless, and yeah, I'll treat your diabetes now. I found that very interesting with that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. Ali, go ahead. Hi, it's sorry. Eileen. It's Eileen. Eileen. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's, that's Eileen. <laughs> I'll get it after a while. Go ahead, Eileen. Oh, I've got my name has gotten messed up my whole life. But anyway, uh, good morning. Um, this paragraph really brought me back to when I first walked in these doors in '86, and I only weighed 125 pounds, but it was the mental obsession. I knew that there was something wrong with me. And I was so totally hopeless and desperate. I had never heard of the description of a person uh, of being a compulsive overeater. I had never heard that. And then when I walked through these doors, I heard people sharing about stuffing themselves with food like I did and I was like I was astounded and they were stuffing their feelings down and that was me boredom sadness 
anger, resentment. I'd stuff it all down. And it took me, it, it takes the willingness when you ask yourself, what do I have to do? It comes down to the willingness to surrender your drug. And I just wasn't willing for 18 more years. And a lot of consequences I suffered because of this disease. But you know what? Uh, I am so grateful that God showed me what I need to do to work this program. I need the fellowship. I need all of you. I need people to hear my feelings instead of my stuffing them down. Because I've, I've been absent in a while now, but there's nothing greater than, than, than sharing what is going on with you. And I know that I can do that here, and I know that because that's what I heard my first meeting. So I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Judy B., would you read, please? Good morning. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. Excuse me. It's the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically, and this book does that. Uh, we will we will see that um, there is a specific answer for everything that we wonder about as we try to work this program. I mean, when we feel irritable and discontent and restless, what do we do? The book tells us. How do we begin each day? You know, how can we turn our will over to God? You know, how do we deal with the fears that come up in our mind? What do we do when our mind tells us that a little of this and a little of that won't hurt us? This book will tell us. It will tell us how we can handle these questions, and it will tell us how others have dealt with these problems. And it's, it, it's going to answer our questions specifically, and that, that we can trust. We shall tell you what we have done. You know, we are going to hear how many people handled uh, this, this seemingly hopeless disease. And we're going to see how they, how they managed to come to the other side of it. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. Um, for the next few pages, they're going to talk about uh, certain conclusions that they've come to. Um, they're going to talk about, you know, how do you know that you're a real compulsive overeater and... and um, you know, what's the difference between the different kinds of, of uh, people who drink? And, and are, we, are we a real, a real, do we have this problem? You know, are we really different from other people? Do we, do we, need, do we need the answers that are in this book? And um, after that, they begin the discussion of telling us specifically what we do. And on page 25, I just want to quote this because it, it, it's the beginning of how we start to work this, this solution. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. 
One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. We did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. And that, that, that's, we're going to hear more about the solution, and it's here. So anyone that's um, just beginning to, uh, to read this book know that the answers are here, and we, we will see. We will see what has worked uh, for so many of us, and I am so grateful that I found these big book meetings and that I found this solution and it just makes such a difference in the way I've worked my program, knowing that um, the answers are here. And, uh, and this book leads me to a, a higher power who really understands what I'm going through. And, um, and I love sharing that with others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This Rita. I heard, I think, Rita. Right. I, I'm and that, sorry. And, and then I heard someone else. Pam, yeah. Kim? Okay, mm-hmm. Rita and then Kim. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Can you just tell me what page we're on? I, the synopsis for. We are on page 20, and we One. are on the second paragraph. It is the purpose of this book. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service, Pam. Okay, Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, everyone. It's Kim. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. Specifically, not generally, not vaguely, but specifically. So how can we extrapolate that? So today's Memorial Day. Let's say every Memorial Day that you go to your Aunt Sally and she has the best strawberry cake. And you say, Aunt Sally... How can I make this strawberry cake? And she gives you very specific instructions. Well, first you have to grease this pan. Then you preheat the oven to 375 degrees. There is two cups of sugar. There are three eggs. There are this amount of flour. There's this amount. And you're going to cook it for 45 minutes, and you're going to put a fork in it. And when the fork is dry, you remove the cake. And you add fresh strawberries. Don't forget to add fresh strawberries. So next weekend, you decide you're going to make that strawberry cake. But you decide, you know what? Oh, I got home. I forgot to buy the, the grease. I'm not going to grease the pan. And you know what? The fresh strawberries were way too expensive. I don't, I'm going to buy the, the frozen strawberries. And I'm too busy. I don't have time to preheat that oven. And you know what? I like things extra sweet, so I'm going to put in some extra sugar, and I'll just leave out a couple eggs. And I don't remember. I think there was something else, but I really wasn't paying attention to everything that Aunt Sally did. So you put that stuff together, and you pull it out of the oven, and you decide, you know what? I'm really hungry. I'm not going to wait the full 45 minutes. I'm just going to take it out after a half hour. Are you going to have a strawberry cake? Probably, are you going to have the strawberry cake that you love that Aunt Sally makes every Memorial Day? Absolutely not. Because you're not doing specifically the recipe that Aunt Sally had. So you're not going to get the results that Aunt Sally had with that cake. And that was my problem in L.A. so many years. 
I love the line on page 11 in Bill's story when he talks about how he feels about religion. On the top of 11, it says, For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. And I would do that in a way, and I would say, these 12 steps don't work. Overeaters Anonymous doesn't work. But was it that I was just doing what I wanted to and then getting angry that I wasn't getting the results? Because I wasn't doing it specifically. And that is the purpose of this book. Now, AA has some great literature. OA has some great literature. But that literature, most of it, for the, for the, for the most part, is sharing other people's experience. And is other people's experience going to get me the results I need? No. The purpose of those books is to share experience. The purpose of the back of the big book, past page 164, is to help you identify in, to motivate you to go to the first 164 pages and then implement the, the directions specifically so you can get your own spiritual experience. The purpose of this meeting is to get you motivated, hopefully to touch you in such a way that you will go to these pages and you will apply these pages specifically so you can get your own experience. I'm going to repeat it one more time. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. And our results will be whether or not we decide to apply this book specifically. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sonia. Sonia, go ahead. This is Nancy. Can I share? Sonia and then Nancy. Good morning. This is Sonia, recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, this this paragraph, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically, just really, um, again, strikes me also this morning in the, the brilliant construction, you know, of this book, divinely inspired. I mean, the, the paragraph before explains the three reasons, the three barriers to recovery for a hopeless and helpless compulsive overeater like me. You know, number one is that um, me not understanding that I am indeed very ill. And the second is me really not seeing that there is hope. And then, of course, um, not doing what needs to be done, the third. And the purpose of this book answers such questions specifically. And if we look back at the table of contents, it is designed specifically to answer those three questions, everything up through Bill's story, really focusing on hammering home this being an illness. Then moving into the next few chapters where we focus on there is hope. There is hope. And there is a solution. We agnostics more about alcoholism over and over and over again. There is hope. And then what do I have to do? Well, the remaining chapters all focus on from the steps three and four in the next chapter, how it works, and then into action with, with five steps five through 11. And then a, an entire chapter devoted to 
working with others, and then a number of chapters devoted to practicing the principles in all of my affairs. So brilliantly, this book is constructed to give me these specific directions, but really to hit me right away with the key barriers um, to me understanding what and who I am, that I may find that hope and recover. So very grateful to be here with you this morning. Have a great day. Thank you, Sonia. Uh, we're hearing some this background is noise. Uh, Nancy is going to share next, and this is who? Sharon. Sharon. After Nancy, Sharon, you'll go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. So, uh, good morning, Vision, for you. Um grateful to be here on a, on a meeting to start off my week the right way. Um, I'm Nancy, uh, grateful recovered compulsive over here in Lewiston, Idaho. And, I, you know, I just have to, um, I just chuckle sometimes at how many times that Bill says the same thing but uses a little bit different words. And I kind of, um, sometimes I kind of chuckle because it reminds me of the parables in um, another book that I like to read because it's the same story told in different ways. And it's because, you know what, we all learn differently. And I think he wanted to make sure that he got his point across. And um, somebody already pointed out how many times we've already heard the word recovered in these the paragraphs that we've been reading. And we're only in, what, the third chapter of the book. And, you know, it, it's very clear that um, he indicated we are recovered. We do recover from this disease. And I also like that we make sure we point out it doesn't mean we're cured. And he says later on that we're not cured. But um, here in this paragraph, he says again that um, he uses the word specifically to show you specifically how, you know, we did it. And then earlier, what did we read? The main purpose of this book is to show exactly how we have recovered. So he's very specific to use the adjectives exactly and specifically. And, you know, to say, it, I love the analogy of the cake for Memorial Day, Kim. Thank you. I mean, it's like you're not going to get the same results. Half measures availed us nothing. The result was nil until we let go, not a little bit, absolutely. I mean, it is so clear. And I think, too, um, how many times I missed those critical adjectives, those critical words that mean so much when it comes to working the program as it's outlined in this book. I think I just was working um, on step four with a sponsee, and it says, next we undertook on a course of vigorous action, and it, it talks um, it talks then about followed at once by, you know, so it's meaning that step four is to come at once after step three. I remember the very, very first um, fourth step I did in another fellowship. It took me a year. I drug my feet. I drug my feet. And now I look back and just kind of shake my head at myself because it wasn't the fourth step that was the problem for me. It was the fifth step. I was so terrified of you know, telling anybody about it. Plus, I didn't want to do the work. There's a lot of work in step four, a lot of writing, and I was lazy and undisciplined at the time. Anyway, I just, um, you know, there's these words that are in the book that I just glanced over for so long, the words like exactly and specific and at once and absolutely. And it's just, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful for Bill, and I'm grateful that um, when he has a point to make, 
he he makes it more than once because sometimes I'm a little dense and it, it takes a while for me to get it. But I can tell you what that I am a recovered compulsive overeater and I did I do get the message in the book and now it's my pleasure to share it with other people. Thank you so much for letting me share this morning and with that I will pass. Thank you, Nancy. Sharon, go ahead. Star one to unmute, Sharon. Can you hear me now, Monica? Yes, I can. Okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> what really uh, hit home to me were the specific things that were said in the paragraph we read before because it makes it very clear if <clears throat> that, number one, uh, of ex- expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. And if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? And then the very next paragraph, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. And that is, um, that just means so much to me because I've, for a lot of years I tried to do the body part of it without the mind. And now I see how they are so intertwined and it is a hopeless condition of both mind and body. And um, the issue with me was I was just trying to do part of the program, like trying to bake a cake with just half the ingredients. And um, I just am skipping over because I love everywhere along here when they say something about, we shall tell you what you have to do, and this is a fact that you have to accept. So on page 24, The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the meaning of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. So that's what I must realize is the case with me and then be willing to go from there and find out what do I have to do. And it can't be done without God and it can't be done without my will. tells me I must do to recover from both the mind and the body and the hopeless condition of that disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Philomena. Philomena, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, my name is Philomena. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. And um, I am so grateful that I have been led by... God is doing all the work for me, um, leading me and bringing people in my life... Um, one thing that I kept asking, I wanted to know, I had so all these questions, and no one could answer them. And uh, when I came, when I was led through someone to come on to this meeting last year and to listen, um, this, and it says it right here, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. And specifically, uh, in the concordance for the big book, is particularly, precisely, in a special, in a specific way. There's only one way, 
and I am so grateful for um, for being led. And I, you know, I don't worry about what what the next pathway is going to be because God is in in charge. God is in charge, and I just give Him all the glory. And I thank everyone for uh, sharing and um, letting me comprehend a little bit better. Thank you, my past. Thank you, Philomena. Well, this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in here for a moment. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically, and like she just said, precisely. We shall tell you what we have done. And I was told uh, by my sponsor when I started reading this book that this was a textbook. A textbook. A textbook is a transfer of information from one person to another. That it was a textbook. Not a novel. Monica took it as a novel for many, many years. You know, it was it was interesting reading all those stories in the back of the book. But no, this is a textbook, and they are going to tell us exactly what we need to do. We shall tell you what we have done. And now again, the we are those first 100 recovered alcoholics. You know, it's easy for us to argue with just one person. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what you need to do here. But here are a hundred of them banded together, and they 100% agreed that this is what needed to be done, that this is what worked for them, and this is what will work for us. We shall tell you what we have done. And yes, like Kim was saying with the recipe, you know, if you take a recipe for something, somebody gives you that special, special recipe for something you just absolutely love. But if you are not willing to follow the instructions specifically, precisely, in the order that they're given to you, you are not going to get what you're looking for. And um, that's very, very important, you know. They have a way, and they are going to share it with us. And with that, I will pass, and we have run to the end of our time for today. And I'd like to thank everyone who shared, and we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Fran, can you please read a vision for you? Good morning, this is Fran, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass. Thank you, Fran.